right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. I am not Solly, as you can probably tell. Uh, Solly is off gallivanting around Europe uh, with his brand new fiance. so congratulations to both of them. Instead, you get me today. This is DJ, uh, and today we are going to be speaking with friend of the program, Zach Blair. Uh, Zach won the Ellie Mae Classic on the Corn Ferry Tour this week to lock up his PJ Tour card for next year. Uh, he got it back after losing his card in pretty pretty devastating fashion two years ago, uh, all of which we are going to get into in this interview. But it's a story that kind of makes what happened on Sunday uh, just that much better. If you are new here, you have absolutely no idea who Zach is. Uh, he's someone that we met a few years ago. He is a golf sicko. Uh, he absolutely loves golf more than anyone I've ever met in my entire life, uh, which is not an exaggeration at all. Uh, he actually helped us organize our first ever season of Tour Sauce down in Australia, and we've just kind of all remained friends ever since. And of course, you know, a lot of you have gotten to know him or, or kind of feel like you know him uh, over the years as well. He's super active on Twitter and Instagram. And so there were a lot of people on Sunday afternoon kind of clamoring for uh, an emergency podcast of sorts uh, with Zach. So here it is uh, just a few days later. Uh, before we get to that interview, I wanted to say uh, we were a little bummed that we didn't get to do a recap podcast this week. We had people scattered all over the place, obviously. Uh, but we wanted to give a belated shout out to JT Poston, who won the Wyndham Championship. Uh, he shot 62 in the final round. He didn't make a bogey all week, as you probably saw. I think uh, the stat going around, he was the first player since 1974, Lee Trevino, to uh, win a tournament without making a bogey the entire week, uh, which is insane to, to think about. He was one of the first ever guests on our Trap Draw podcast uh, a few years ago with, with Tron and Randy. And he's a good guy, good player. And so we're all just really happy to uh, to see that win this week. But now, uh, without any more delay, let's get to our chat with Zach Blair. All right, first question I have. Uh, so this win on Sunday, this was your first win since what? Um, I think I won the Sand Hollow Open a couple of times in Utah. Back to back, know. I saw. Back, back to back, yeah. So, you know, it, it's been a couple of years, though. So it was nice to kind of kind of get something a little bigger than the sand hollow open for sure. Is there an illustrious list of people who have gone back to back at the sand hollow open? I mean, I might be the only one. So yeah, it's pretty, it's a pretty good one. <laughs> well, so obviously it was not, uh, on TV on Sunday. So take me and, uh, the people listening to take us there. What, what did we miss? You know, it was a pretty, uh, there weren't too many fireworks to be honest. It was kind of a lot of people hanging on and, um, it, it was, it wasn't like it was a crazy tough day or anything. It, it was a little windy, but you know, the kind of nerves of the second to last event of the season with PGA tour cards on the line definitely can kind of get the juices flowing. So, um, I played pretty good. I, you know, no bogeys, which is kind of, it helps for sure, but just kind of, I, I had a two putt birdie on the third hole of the day. Um, after I hit a couple of really good shots uh, just on the right fringe and then hit a wedge in there close on five a couple holes later to about two or three feet, you know, kick in there, which was nice. And uh, made kind of the, the 
the point of the tournament that was really crucial was on seven and eight. I made two really big putts, about like a 10 and 12 footer for pars, both of them. Um, just to kind of keep the round going, you know, nothing, everything was pretty tough at that point. I had to make a couple of good par saves, wasn't hitting too many shots close after five, kind of had a 35 footer on six. And then, you know, I got up and down on seven and eight that really kind of kept the round together. And then on the back, just kind of kept hitting it to 20 feet and barely missing. And then finally hit a good wedge shot in there on 14 and made it from about 12 feet and then you know parred in missed a short one on 15 which was kind of sad but you know two putted on 16 17 18 to to get it done have you played in the last group a lot i feel like that's got to be uh that's got to be kind of a first in a while right on a sunday yeah i mean i guess the last one my first event on the pga tour was sangman bay at the uh, safeway it was probably the last one uh the last one so it was a while ago so what i mean what was that like sunday morning were you is there extra pressure what was what was the the vibe you know it was kind of weird because i was we were originally supposed to go off in two twosomes and i was supposed to play with maverick um in the second to last group and then there was a big fog delay again and they kind of sent out a text saying hey we're going to three balls uh here's your new tea time and i happened to be in the final group so it was kind of you know wasn't like sleeping on playing in the final group or anything like that. So it was, uh, but it was fine. You know, it was, I mean, I've been playing well, so I kept just telling myself to keep doing the same things I've been doing for the last couple months and kind of really stuck to that game plan of just hitting a lot of greens, trying to make some, some putts and taking advantage of the opportunities when I got a really good number or kind of green light and then just kind of hit to the, towards the middle of the green on some of those, shots that weren't perfect numbers and kind of it worked all week it kind of has been working the last few months so um it was nice what's uh you know i don't keep me to keep kind of bagging on like man you really haven't been in contention a lot but uh, <laughs> <laughs> i'm curious you know it, it's got to be a different a different feeling to you know you pl- you play a shitload of tournaments which we're going to get to in a minute um uh, just looking through your schedule you've you've played a ton the last four or five years but like I said, I mean, not a ton of that has been kind of like coming down the stretch Sunday afternoon. So I'm just curious how you seem to handle it so well, you know, coming in bogey free on Sunday and, and just kind of like you said, hitting comfortable shots and two putting your way to victory seems like kind of veteran stuff. <laughs> well, again, I've been playing really good the last four or five weeks, you know, been right there, bunch of top tens, you know, and you know, not all of those I'd been in contention. They were kind of just like hanging around a couple of good rounds, but, but not ever, not, not really ever threatening to win. So it was definitely new kind of being back in that situation on Sunday. But at the same time, you know, I've won a lot of golf tournaments growing up, you know, maybe not on the PGA tour, or the web.com tour, I guess the corn Ferry tour, but, uh, winning's kind of the same anywhere you know you just kind of either have it or you don't so it was nice to to kind of show myself that I still have it and uh hopefully get some more what's your most memorable win outside of this one uh I won the state am when I was a senior in high school that was that was pretty fun What, what was that like I mean it was cool my dad won it um you know it's obviously like the biggest tournament in Utah so 
it, it was just cool. It's a match play tournament, so I've been playing well all week. And yeah, 36-hole final on Sunday. Had a bunch of family and friends out there and played pretty good. So that was that was fun. That was a good one to to kind of hang my hat on. It's kind of wild that this happens, you know, the week of the Wyndham. If, if you go back two years, you know, obviously you missed – Missed uh, your card, you know, finished, you were Mr. Number 126 uh, by a point back in 2017, uh, one point behind J.J. Henry. I mean, you know, what a thrill it was to be able to watch him in 2018. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> curious what, what you remember about that week and just kind of, you know, we'll, we'll kind of get to all the stuff that's happened since. But um, starting on that week at Wyndham, what, what do you remember about that? Well, I mean, I was 125. I mean, I was 120 going into that week in basically a position that no one's ever not moved on from. You know, I think the the most it had ever moved was like three people. So kind of going in the whole week, everybody was like, oh, you're fine, you're fine. And I was like, you know what, I still need to go. I need to go make the cut. And, you know, if I make the cut, I think I'm golden. And went out, played okay, I think, the first day. Was kind of battling the second day and made – uh, like the biggest putt of my life on the ninth hole, my last hole of the day on Friday, like a 25 footer up the hill, knew I needed to make it to make the cut, thought it was basically to assure keeping my card and just buried it right in the middle. I was so pumped, you know, the whole day. That's kind of all, all I'm thinking about is, you know, if you go out and make the cut today, you're going to get a couple of points. No way six people are going to pass you. It's like unheard of. And so to make that was really cool. Then I went out the next day, just kind of, I mean, just played like shit, basically shot, shot a few over, um, actually had some, some close calls coming down the stretch on like 15, 16, 17, where I, I think I made a good birdie on 16, stuck one close on on 16 and missed it, and then stuck one close on 17 and missed it and ended up MDFing by a couple, maybe like one or two. And uh, just kind of still thinking, you know, I'm okay. I kind of had it all like mapped out that night. I'm a little OCD about it, kind of freaking out. Like, you know, this is this is the only situation where I could possibly not make it. And it was like the perfect storm. And it was, it was, it was kind of crazy because there was about, there was about 12 or 15 people that had a chance to pass me and about like eight of them were playing in the morning or seven or eight of them were in the morning, like first off. And none of those guys passed me which was crazy because there was only like five people left that could even theoretically pass me coming up in the afternoon. And every single one of them just went like full blackout. I remember (laughs) like Flores making a hole in one, uh, Rory Sabatini shooting like 61. Um, and, and like all of this is like, okay, you know, this is, this is okay. You know, we just need like one person not to do something crazy. And then I remember like Johnson Wagner shanking one in the water on 15 that, you know, slid him down from like, cause he was having a good week. You know, he went from like fourth place to like 10th place 
And so that, that allowed everybody that was behind him to move up a couple of spots. And I mean, it was by fractions of points at that point. So every single shot that everyone, you know, every single shot coming in from everyone was moving everybody's points, you know, fractionally. And, and, uh, so it it was pretty crazy because it was on my birthday and I'm sitting there just like shitting and dying over everybody's shot, watching everyone, you know, got everyone pulled up on shot tracker going like, okay, you know, all I need, you know, all I need, uh, is this person to par or, you know, this person not to like birdie the last two holes. And, you know, and that was the moment when like Flores made a hole in one and then that was like, okay, this is getting a little dicey now. And then, then it came down to uh, JJ Henry and he blocked one like way right on 18, like almost out of bounds, just left of the cart path. And I remember Sean Martin texting me going like, JJ Henry's right, no chance you can birdie from there. Pin was back left and he hit this like gross hybrid to like 15 feet, maybe like seven, maybe like seven feet above the hole, still like a dicey putt, like no way you're going to make this putt to keep your tour card. And this thing just like got gulped up by the left edge, like no chance it should go in. <laughs> the purple, <laughs> the purple from, mamba strikes again. Yeah. Yeah. At least from my point of view, I'm like, are you kidding me? That putt goes in <laughs> like, come on. So, and it was crazy because, you know, if you've, 125 you're on to the playoffs the Barclays or whatever it was at that point I was just so like get me home get me out of here like I don't even want to be thinking about this that I just hopped on a plane and everyone was like well what if you make it and I was like I don't even care I'll fly back to New York like tomorrow like you know like I, I just like I can't even think about this right now and sure enough you know I ended up JJ Henry made that putt on 18, but Johnson Wagner still had a chance to birdie a couple holes coming in or anybody really like, you know, like I said, it was like fractions of points. So it was kind of wild, you know, just hoping for somebody to like birdie the last couple holes to, to, you know, get in a tie with JJ Henry. So he didn't get, you know, that extra half a point, but you know, it was pretty crazy. It sucked for sure. It was like the most, yeah, the worst birthday ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, again, not to not to keep uh, you know digging into this more and more, but the story has a happy ending, as we kind of covered uh, at the beginning here. So I don't feel too bad doing it. But you know, when, you, when you're talking about fractions of fractions of points, I think there was like six cuts or something that you missed that year by a shot. And when you're talking about you know fractions of points like that, it's it's basically comes down to one shot over the course of an entire season. I mean, did that like drive you nuts? Are you sitting in your room, like going over tournaments and thinking about shots or are you able to like block that out? I mean a little bit, but at the same time, like you're saying like, you you know, yeah, yeah. Like six or seven cuts that I made on the, or missed on the number, like by one. But at the same time, every shot from anyone the entire year, not just yeah, me. that's true, I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like any any tournament that J.J. Henry played in the entire <laughs> year, that if he took 57th and tied with five people, any shot from any of those people behind him, better or worse from him or anybody in the field. So it's just like, I mean, it's too crazy to fathom or think about that. You know, I, I've always been pretty good at not, you know, dwelling too much on the past, but that was definitely a rough, like, reality check like what what were you doing like like could you not you know why did you have to miss the miss the secondary cut there it kind of 
it sucked not being able to play on Sunday. Sunday was my birthday and it sucked not being able to at least do something on my part to better my position. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys, a quick break to try to figure out how exactly Solly does these ad reads. But I wanted to start by quickly telling you about season two of golf lives home course by Callaway golf, which drops today, Tuesday, uh, every golfer is extremely prideful of the courses that they grew up playing on, and that's exactly what these three new videos are all about. Uh, I got a look at these three short films uh, earlier this week, and the Callaway crew does a great job telling the story of three different golf courses and cultures. Uh, the first one is Res Golf, which was built uh, by the Navajo Nation in Steamboat, Arizona, and is just completely unlike anything else you, you've ever seen in your life, golf course-wise. Uh, the second one is Bayou Oaks in New Orleans, which uh, I actually got to write a Golfer's Journal story about a couple years ago, and it's one of my favorite places to visit. It was completely decimated by Hurricane Katrina uh, and has made this awesome comeback, and, and the video does such a cool job of showing the, the local musicians and the local people who like to play there and uh, exactly what that course has kind of turned into. And the last one is Royal Hawaiian, which looks like something straight out of Jurassic Park. There's all these like surfing legends floating around there, and it's just a it, it's an awesome place. The best part about season two of Home Course is you can get through all three of these films in less than 20 minutes. Uh, so check them out right after this podcast at CallawayGolf.com/homecourse, or you can go check them out on Callaway's Roku, Apple TV, or Amazon Prime channels by searching Callaway TV. And while you're there. Uh, you can get caught up on Tour Sauce Scotland and Tour Sauce California, both of which are streaming on all of Callaway's OTT channels right now. Without further ado, let's get back to the podcast. So, what? So, talk people through a little bit what happens when you're when you're 126, because sometimes on the broadcast, I mean, it gets painted as like, oh my god, like this guy's going to have to go on unemployment. He's not going <laughs> to. He loses his insurance. You know all this stuff. Whereas, uh, you know, I think you played twenty PJ Tour events the next year or something like that. Yeah. So, so how yeah. does that how does that work? I got pretty lucky because they they had done something to the fall schedule where they had added maybe a couple event a couple more events right, in okay. Asia. Yeah. Um. So I ended up getting in every single fall event. You know, and I was I was the first person to get in the. F the field after the web guys. So usually like the web guys, not all of them get in like Safeway and Vegas and Mayakoba, like the, you know, 10 or 12 web.com category guys don't make those fields usually. So I got really lucky that I ended up getting in everything in the fall. So I had every opportunity to play well enough, you know what I mean? And you have to play good in the fall to stay on top of your category. And I obviously couldn't improve any, you know, I was the top of the 126 to 150 category. So all I could do is move down. Right. Um, so I knew that I had to play good and I just, you know, didn't, didn't play as good as I could have and uh, ended up moving down four or five spots and, uh, you know, didn't get in a few of those events on the West Coast. Like I didn't get into Sony, which kind of sucked because I had, you know, lost by a shot the year before. And uh, a couple of years before that, I had taken like sixth. So, so it was, that was a week where I was like, okay, well, if I could get into Sony and then I missed the Monday qualifier by one, bogeyed the last hole to miss. So that kind of sucked. <laughs> so it was just kind of like, it was on your half it was birthday just like too. A, it was, yeah. <laughs> it was just a, like a nightmare 
like couple of months, you know, not playing good and, you know, at the same time going like, man, like you said, thinking back, like if I would have one shot better anywhere the entire year, you know, and I'm not in this situation trying to like figure out where my next start's going to be, because that is the one tough thing. It's like, I was the last person in, in Mayakoba. I was one of the last people in, in, uh, the safe way. So it's kind of hard to, to plan a schedule and kind of get yourself mentally ready to go play a golf tournament, you know, not knowing if you're going to get in the field that week, but, uh, you're just kind of on standby for the whole, the whole year. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, like you said, I did get in like 20 events. So that's like, that's a full, you know, that's a full schedule. So, um, but I get, I did get lucky cause it was the first time that anybody in that 126 category had gotten into those fall events like that. So beyond that, then, you know, kind of back half of the year, you're, you're splitting more time between kind of there and the web tour. And I'm, I'm curious what that mentality is like, cause you, you've kind of heard from a lot of people that end up having to do that. I mean, you kind of end up shooting yourself in the foot on, on both tours a little bit. And I know yours was a little different because you would have played all the PJ tour events you could possibly get into, but it's, it's a tough, yeah. a tough thing to break it between those two tours. Yeah, it is really weird because you're you're playing your PGA Tour schedule, you know, wanting to get in any tour event you can, but at the same time, you then have periods where you don't get in for four, you know, three or four weeks in a row, and you're like, well, I should go do something to, you know, stay sharp, maybe. So you you think, oh, well, I'll go down and play you know, the corn fairy tour for a couple of events. But then when you get into that, then you're not fresh when you're back getting starts on the big tour, you know, you're just more worn out because now all of a sudden you're playing, you know, 15 to 17 PGA tour events and seven to eight web.com events, you know, and the points don't cross over. And then you're just in a situation where you're like, why did I waste time even messing around with one or the, you know, you, you, you need to really just pick one or the other. If you know, you can sit there and go, okay, if I go have a solid year on the web and just put all my eggs in that basket and have a solid year, I can get my card back. Or you go, you know, if I, if I have one or two good weeks on the big tour, I can do everything that I was going to do on the web, you know, to try and get status that way. So it, it is really just a weird situation that, is kind of unfortunate, but at the same time, you're still playing golf for a living. So it's, it's not the end of the world. Right. So then basically after last year, then you're, you're kind of leaving, like you said, both tours a little, you know, a little bit without a country kind of after that. Right. I mean, you had, I guess, conditional web status to start this year. Yeah. So after that year, I finished 126. Like you said, I got in like 20 PGA tour events. I ended up taking like 170th or something like that on the, the FedEx cup, which is not good because then you don't, then you're not in that 126 to 150 category, which really is big because you like, yeah. you know, you're going to get a bunch of starts and you're going to, you're still a member of the tour and you can get, you know, it, it's just a big deal. 126 to 150 is so much better than, than finishing 151st. Um, so, so yeah, I went back to Q school, even though I didn't really need to, I was going to have, status from making web finals like i was going to get in the first few events on the um yeah it's like the first four or something yeah i was going to get in before the first reshuffle they you know they they tell you 
you don't really know and they don't really ever they don't really ever tell you for sure they just say this is what it's been in the past so you know you don't really know for sure so i'm like okay well maybe i'll go back to q school because if i finish inside the top 40 or whatever at q school i can guarantee myself eight starts and that's better than guaranteeing yourself maybe four starts so then i go back to q school and i play really good for like whatever i don't know i think it's four days now i played really good i felt like and just whipped out putts like on the last three holes of the final day and end up taking like 42nd so <laughs> it was like why did i even go to q school and waste my time i st- now i have the same status that i you know basically would have had by not even going to q school and i just wasted like a week and a half of you know when i could have just been home hanging out but I got lucky. I got in the first couple of events on the um, of the schedule the next year in February or whatever, and played good the first event. Took sixth or seventh, which is so big, you know. Not having any for sure status going into the year kind of locks you up through the basically the rest of the year. You know what I mean? Right. So I knew that I was. I was going to be okay and have a place to play the rest of the year, which was nice. Cause that, you know, if you're only guaranteed the first three or four starts and you go out and lay an egg, then you're really kind of caught with your pants down, not knowing what to do. You know, do I go Monday qualify or do I wait until I maybe get in some events in the summer? So it was really nice. And I felt really just, I was so pumped that I played well that first week kind of had a really big back nine um, when I needed it and kind of, you know, guaranteed me some starts going forward and then, um, hit a little bit of a cold spell, right. You know, right after that for a little bit, but then kind of got it going later this summer and was, uh, yeah, nice to, nice to get playing well again. Yeah. That's where the story, you know, it gets its happy ending. I was, I was speaking of, (laughs) I heard you mention kind of in your post round interview and stuff on Sunday, just some of your whether it's attitude stuff or, or just kind of, um, you know, lack of perspective or whatever that you, you said you'd kind of been going through and, and we're ready to either take a break or get your card. I'm curious if you can speak to that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's just been, you know, it was, I mean, all, everything has a different look the way somebody's looking at it. Right. But, it was a pretty like shitty couple of years, you know, going from my rookie year, finishing like 50th on the FedEx cup points, getting in every single tournament the next year, all the invitationals, not having to worry about anything. Then, you know, making the web or the, the FedEx cup playoffs, like the next couple of years and uh, you know, getting to plan a schedule and not have to worry about any of that to missing it by a shot. And then, playing shitty golf the next year and then kind of struggling on the web for, you know, a few months. Um, it it kind of all weighs on you. Um, every, every missed cut and every bad finish, you know, you're trying to figure out what you did wrong. And then, but, but in all reality, it's like, you're not really probably doing anything wrong except, you know, thinking about it too much or worrying about it too much. And, and I kind of just stepped back. I, I actually, I actually saw, uh, an article maybe like three months ago about Brooks talking about 
right? When he, I think it was Brooks, when he got out there on the the challenge tour, he was like, you know, we should like, let's go make the cut. And he was kind of always, you know, right around the cut. And he was like, you know what, let's just win. And then he won. <laughs> and then he went up, you know, then he went up to the European tour and was like, all right, we're on like the European tour now. Let's just like try and make some cuts. Same thing was always right around the cut. And it was like, you know, screw this. Let's like win. Let's win some tournaments. One, you know, got got his ranking high enough to come over to the PGA Tour and kind of fell into the same thing. Was like, ah, oh, this is like the biggest tour in the world. Let's just go make some cuts. Kind of fall right in the same trap, right around the cut line all the time. And then was like, what are you doing? Every tour you've been on, you've won. Like, just win. And then he started winning. And I was like, that's the mindset that I need to have. Is like for the last few years, I'm like, well, if we could like make some cuts, that would be good. And then I think right after the Utah or the U S open, I was going into the Utah week and I was like, you know what? Like you're good enough. Like you, you are, you're good enough. You play with all these guys all the time and you're just as good as everybody else. You just need to go like win and kind of got into contention, you know, that week in Utah and then played, played pretty well the next week in New York. And then had a good week in Omaha and had a good week in Springfield where I'd played well before. And then I had a lot of confidence, you know, a lot of friends kind of pushing me and, you know, telling me like, all right, now it's like time to go get it done. And finally, finally got it done. So it was, it was definitely nice. Yeah, it's got to be almost like when guys get into, into contention. And that's why I brought that up at the beginning is, you know, it's so impressive to see, to see, you know, someone who hasn't been in that situation too many times go out and play bogey free golf is like, you see it all the time where people, you know, they see their name at the top of the leaderboard on Sunday or they're playing the last group or whatever. And all of a sudden it just becomes like, okay, four corners offense, man. Like, let's just slow it down. Let's just get this thing across the finish line. And, and I think you, you heard Shane Lowry talk about that a lot at the, uh, at the open this year where he was talking about blowing that, you know, whatever that was three, four shot lead at the, at the U S open at Oakmont and how he just changed everything that he possibly was doing the first three days. And it yeah. just, yeah. I, I imagine it just kind of like sweeps you up like quicksand or something. So yeah, it's cool to hear kind of more insight on that feeling. It, I had a, it was a really weird situation on Sunday. Like I said, I I've, I've won ev at every level that I've played at. So I know what it takes to win and, and I love winning and, you know, I know how to win. So I knew I could win, but then you have to really go out and do it, you know, which is different than knowing you can. Right. Um, but I went out there and I knew I, I had, I had, I'd had some chats with some people like one of my old caddies, Andy Martinez would always talk about like Tom Lehman, you know, just trying to make like four bogeys or less for the week. He was like, if, if, you know, if Tom could make four bogeys or less, he knew that he would be in contention that week. And I always like, whenever he would tell me that story, I was like, dude, what are you talking <laughs> about? Like, that's so stupid. Like, yeah, like, obviously, you know, like, yeah, like, like, <laughs> duh, you know, you just need to go out and like play good though. Like that, that shouldn't matter. And I was literally sitting in Savannah by myself, like, I don't know, however many months ago. And I was on the phone with my friend Jed and I was like, dude, I'm just going to like go out and like not do anything except like hit the middle of the greens and like not go for any par fives. I'm just going to give myself like a bunch of wedges because I'm like one of the best wedge players I've ever <laughs> seen. And I'm a good putter and I'm just going to like not go make mistakes. And I went out and like had a pretty good tournament without like putting right. good. 
you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like a great finish or anything, but it was like something to build on. And I was like, dude, I think I've like got it figured out a little bit. And he was like, well, you know, just keep doing the same stuff. And, you know, then, then you kind of fall into some traps of, you know, trying some new things to just get that little edge and try and get a little better when, again, like in all reality, you just need to keep doing the same things. Like I had figured it out that week, but I was still trying to, you know, tweak things and, you know, fix stuff. And then really in Utah, I was just like, you know, I I was talking to Tron and I was like, dude, if I can have one week this year, if I can have four bogeys or less coming in, in any of the next like 10 events, I'm going to get my card. And I, and I got closer, I got closer a lot of those weeks, you know, it was like eight bogeys for the week and then seven and then five and then six. And then finally this week, you know, I had a good round the first round. I made two bogeys and I was so pissed <laughs> because I shouldn't have right. made any. I shouldn't have made any that first round. And then I had a, you know, no bogeys the next day. And I was like, okay, like now we're on track. Like, you know, we could have one the next two days and, 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 and do it. And you're going to be in contention if you do that because you're playing well. And then I had one bogey on, on uh, Saturday and I was like, okay, like, you know, it, you, you can do this. Now you got three bogeys for the week. If you have none tomorrow – you're under four and you're going to be right there right. to win. And so that was like the whole mindset, the whole day, whatever I had to do to not make any bogeys. I knew I could make birdies out there cause I can get to a couple of the par fives and you know, I had a couple of wedges in and it, I mean, it was so nice. Like I call, I call no bogeys rounds, trophy balls. And it was just like always something my dad growing up would just like, beat into my brain like how important trophy balls were and it was the same thing with like andy i was like well no shit like you know like obviously no bogeys is like good like like obviously but i never really understood like just how important it is just to not make bogeys but it was it was so it was so cool to to have a round like that yesterday where i kind of grinded it out and made a couple of really big par putts to not get those bogeys, you know, in the middle of the round and kind of stay right in contention. Um, but then it was really weird. I got, I got down to like the last four holes and I, you know, I'm a big leaderboard watcher and I'm like sitting there going like, okay, I'm in first. I'm at 17 under right now or 16 under. I don't know what, whatever I was at that point on like 14 or 15. And there was really only like four guys that really had a chance, you know, um, and I was playing with a couple of them and Maverick and um, a couple of them were, were ahead of me. And I was like, God, all we really need to do is like take like a top four, you know, and we'll probably get our card or at least it'll be close enough to where if we have a good week right. next week. And I had to, and I had to keep fighting. Like there was like that, like angel on the left <laughs> side of my wing or on the left side of my shoulder and like the devil on the right side of my shoulder going like, fuck that. Like you need to <laughs> right. win, you know, like, like, like stop thinking that. Cause that's, that's, that's the same trap of like, Hey, just go make yeah. the cut. You know, if we go make the cut, that's the right week. So, so it was really funny. Cause there was, there was three or four times coming in the last four holes where I was like, we could like bogey out and we would like <laughs> take a top four and like get our card. And I had to be like, I had to like snap myself out of it and be like, dude, go just win. If you win, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. You're getting your tour card. You know, you never know the other way. And and so it was, it was, it was really cool to kind of fight all those little things coming in and, and prove to myself that I could do it and get it done. And 
you know, I made a good putt on the last hole that was a lot longer than everybody thought. Yeah, that's thought. what you were saying this morning. It, that lot, looked <laughs> looked a lot, a lot closer than it was, huh? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, everyone was cheering after I after I uh, lagged it up there to about what people from behind, you know, maybe looked like a foot or two. And when it was more like three to three and a half on like Poana greens, <laughs> kind of blowing a little bit, you know with the tournament on the line and I was kind of like, God, man, this would be so embarrassing if you, if you missed this, but I ended up being not nearly as nervous as I thought I would over the pot. I think kind of the instincts just took over a little bit and just made it right in the middle, which was so big. I mean, I was so excited. I didn't know if I was going to like cry or if I was going to, you know, like be in shock or what, but it, it was just like totally normal, just like business as usual. And, just felt like you know another win, just like any of the other ones I've had. Well, in my yeah, life. you sent us a uh, you sent us a, a video from from underneath the grandstands where you could still literally hear people cheering from the last <laughs> putt, which is which is pretty good. That that was a highlight uh, for me for the day. Yeah. Um, so so I mean I feel like I've, I've heard you kind of talk about the the mentality a bunch of times. I mean I have written in my notes the question kind of what was the last what was the biggest lesson of the last two years and it seems like it's that but i'm curious if it's that or something else i mean it's just kind of a a a lot of things it's it's having a good attitude it's um just kind of like trusting the process doing the same thing over and over i remember so i had four good weeks out of five or five out of six i think i took like a ninth or something in utah and then i took a tenth the next week and then i missed the cut the next week in in uh denver and i played really good did the exact same stuff that i did the weeks before i just missed some putts i didn't you know i didn't putt as well as i had the the couple other weeks and i was talking to my friend again and i was like dude it's all right did everything the same. I'm not going to change one thing and I'm going to go play good in Omaha. And that's what I did. I didn't worry about it one bit to where, you know, the two years or three years before, I think I would have tried to find something to change, you know, whether it be my putting or some clubs or anything, just like finding something to kind of blame that missed cut on or, or, or find an excuse to why it didn't work that week when it was just the putts didn't go in. And, I just couldn't make any putts. So, so I think it's just, it's a combination of things, you know, and, and then just like that stupid thing, like Andy and my dad said, it's like, just make less bogeys, which, you know, seems so, to uh, work. I got to meet your dad for the first time at the U uh, S open this year. Describe, describe him <laughs> for someone who has never met him. I mean, he's the best. He's uh He's awesome. He's like a golf whisperer. He's just like he, he didn't seem me, to like, do a lot I've of whis- been, whispering when I met him. Yeah, he's definitely a little different. You know, he loves golf. He's uh, just a total golf junkie, um, kind of like me, but but definitely a little different. Um, he was describing his but, experiment. Uh, one of my favorite things I've heard. He was describing his experiment to prove basically that the ball goes too far. And that well, and and that and he's, the he's, best player he's still among, oh, yeah, <laughs> among if not the best players in the world, which is he's like, I just dropped my I dropped my ball where Dustin hits his ball, where he hits his tee shot. Like I dropped my ball there. No, no, that no, no, it. no. He drops it. He drops it. So if Dustin Johnson hits it 50 yards past my dad, my dad's dropping it 50 past Dustin Johnson. OK, right. 
right? So oh, if Dustin Johnson's see, hitting at 330, okay. you know, my dad's dropping it at 380, <laughs> saying like, well, if I hit it 50 yards past the number one player in the world, I'm like, no shit, I'm going to be good too. <laughs> you know, uh, like I don't even have to putt. Right, okay. And I'm going to go shoot like 63 or 64, which is, you know, I, I think. Mean, we- I think he's kind of got a Yeah, point. I think so too. I think when he was describing it to me, I was picturing it as him dropping it where Dustin was. He's like, yeah, and then I shot 63. I was like, shit, man, like that, that's really good. Like, yeah, maybe you do have a point, but I didn't realize it was another 50 yards beyond that. That makes it le- less yeah, another, impressive, another 50, you know, res- respectfully. Another 50. But he is, he is really good. I mean, he's like, he's unbelievable at golf, like the best player I've ever seen hits it dead straight, unbelievable, like iron player, great chipper and putter. And just, uh, just somebody that, you know, just didn't hit it far enough. Honestly, just probably didn't hit it far enough and just could never kind of break through, but he's been a huge help with me. You know, it's, it's, it's nice having somebody like that, that knows everything about your game and can kind of, pick up what you're doing wrong within 10 seconds <laughs> right. of seeing it. Like I'd been playing really good, but maybe just fighting the driver a little bit the last three or four weeks. And he showed up to the event last week, maybe 10 minutes before my tea time in the first round. And I was like, you know, how does it look? And he goes, well, I, you know, I think you need to change your grip, which was like 10 minutes before you a tea little time. like, yeah, yeah, like I was like literally hitting my last driver and he was like, you know, you need to you just need to do this like right here. And it was just a little simple change, but still like what are you talking about? I've like I I've had like four top 10s in the last 5 weeks, like I don't need to be changing anything right now and he was like this isn't a change, this is like where it needs to be. And uh drove it really good all week so it was like you know huge shout out to jim bob the uh the recoil on the 18th tee was impressive i don't know if you saw <laughs> if you went back and saw the video of that it's pretty good no i haven't yeah, i haven't seen you it you should check it out it was it was it was pretty pretty saucy that, that was yeah. a that was a good drive i uh i got up i got up on that tee and there's a bunker like 270 down the right that's like the only place you can't hit it it's like kind of semi chip out if you get it up against the lip and I was like, I'm one shot ahead. I had just seen Maverick leave it in the short bunker or in the bunker short on a second shot. And I was one shot ahead of the guy I was playing with. And I was like, kind of, I was talking to my caddy. I was like, do you think we should hit three wood? Like it takes the bunker out of play, but then we're going to be hitting like a seven iron and maybe a six iron. Like, but I'm still going way left of the pin. You know, I'm not firing at that pin. And he was like, dude, you hit your, your driver's your best club in your back. Just smoke <laughs> yeah. it. And uh, I just s- smoked it, hit it perfect right down the middle, which was so nice. And yeah, I mean, it was just great. It was good. I hit a good shot, kind of 35 feet left of it, and, you know, two putted, which was uh, which was awesome. I mean, two putts for the win. That's kind of like what you what you dream of, right? There you go. Well, I know. Uh, so we're talking about drivers. We're talking about driving the ball. I, you know, this is a fairly obvious uh, talking point when it comes to your game, but. Uh, let's talk about driving distance a little bit. You are 148th out of 151 on the Corn Ferry Tour, the KFC Tour, as as uh, many people like to call it. Uh, yet, who's uh, who's behind me? Uh, let me look that up. I would honestly like. I would be shocked if there's anyone that's shorter <laughs> than me. Honestly. So do you like, wear it as like a? Is it a point of pride now at this point, or what? 
No, I mean, I think there's like a lot of people that are right in my range, you know, not a lot, but you know, there's, there's 15 or 20 that are like, I, I wouldn't say that I hit it past them or they hit it past me. It's kind of like we all hit it about gotcha. the same. Uh, so the people who are behind you are uh, Billy Kennerly, Stephen Alker, and Jimmy Beck. I mean, I haven't played with a lot of those guys a lot, so I wouldn't know. But again, like, I, I, there's no way that what's the does it say the distances? Uh, you're at. I mean, it can't be more you're than at, like you're a at two eighty five point two. Uh, Billy two eighty two point six, and then two eighty two two seventy eight. So you're flying it past Jimmy Beck. There's a. I've picked up some. Distance I was gonna ask that. I didn't want that to sound like patronizing. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, you're one forty eight out of one fifty one. But like, uh, when I've played <laughs> with you, it seems like you've gotten a little bit longer. Uh, I think my like few years on tour, I was I was always right around two seventy eight. That was kind of like that was my number was two seventy eight. So I think that two two eighty five is a little misleading. But uh, maybe I got some firm weights where I hit some I remember, bombs. Uh, I will never forget caddying. Uh, I was caddying for you to, for a practice round at uh, Atlantic Beach Country Club, the Web Tour Finals a couple years ago. And it was like Monday or Tuesday or whatever. And they're, they're figuring out where to put the crosswalks. Do you remember that? On, uh, on, on number <laughs> yeah. 10. And the, the lady comes up to us in the middle of the round just like, hey, uh, so we were going to put a, a crosswalk here is this like <laughs> normally where you're trying to hit it or because like everybody else has been like way further up <laughs> that's just normal stuff man it's so sad it's like i hit it so short it's, well it's so crazy. what i mean what's your what's your perspective on that or what's your what's your feeling on that obviously it's something that you that you think about a lot i mean it's just how i play you know i i, I do a lot of different things I play a driver and kind of like a setup that is probably not like optimal for distance, mm -hmm. but I know that I, I can hit the shots that I need to with it. So I could, I could go out and get another 15 yards probably, but it would be, you know, I would sac I would sacrifice some accuracy and I just don't feel like that's worth it because I just don't make like a lot of birdies and, stuff from the rough so i think i need to be in the fairway so uh, i'm a good iron player though i hit my irons pretty good and i'm a good putter and chipper so as long as i can get it in the fairway and get it on the green you know i feel like i have a good chance yeah, anywhere. I mean, so the stats we didn't mention you're second on tour in driving accuracy and third in scoring average so i guess who's first in driving accuracy uh brock mckenzie you've got 15 more rounds though than than brock also so you know it's a smaller sample size Exactly. Um, so what about the irons then? I mean, how do those, how do those factor in? Everybody looks at like driving distance, but could, can you kind of set level set for me? So if you have a stock 190 yard shot, you're hitting what? No wind, no elevation, no anything. And if it's like hot, I can hit a six iron probably, but probably just like a, a nice five. Most whereas, of the time. whereas Brooks and DJ and Rory and those guys are hitting like what? Seven. Probably. I, I don't really know, like, honestly, because everybody has, like, different yeah, lie true. and loft and everything like that. So it's kind of hard to tell. But, yeah, I would say I'm usually, like, at least a club more than people, right? So if they're hitting a seven, I'm hitting a six. And then when you factor in that they also hit it, like, 20 past me, that's that's where it starts getting a little dicey. You know, they're they're 
20, 20 by me. Plus they hit like two clubs less than me. <laughs> what, what was the, uh, did you have any rounds on tour that, that were just like extra glaring in that regard? I mean, paired with anybody that, that just like hit it. Yeah. I played with Brooks one time in, uh, in Phoenix and I remember, I will never forget. He like gets up to the eighth tee box and there's a bunker on the left and he like looks at his caddy and goes like, I can cover that. Right. And the, you know, his caddy's like, yeah, like you got that. And I was like, I flipped, pulled out my yardage <laughs> book like so fast. And it was like, it was like a three Oh nine cover. <laughs> and I was like, it was cold, you know, it was like still like morning. And it's like, I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? I, 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 I was like, I couldn't even get to the bunker. Like the bunker, the, it's on the left side of the hole. And I, like, it's not even like, I don't even register that bunker being on right. the hole. And he was like, I can cover that. And I'm like, what the heck? And then I remember the hole before I hit like a five iron from like one ninety two hundred, and he hit like an eight iron. And, and I'll never forget. My friends were all there watching and they saw him pull out eight iron. He hit it to like four feet and I'm hitting five iron. And I was like, I mean, that doesn't seem right. Like, <laughs> like sitting a seven or an eight iron, I just hit five iron. Like, well, it's, so the, the two, the two sides of it are, you know, kind of like the technology versus the skill and, and obviously like hitting it that far is, is a skill, you know, like nobody can, can argue that, but is it, is it hard to not get like resentful of, of seeing those kinds of things or, uh, you know, how does that feel? Yeah. I mean, I think you always get in situations where you kind of get like, like some people look at it. Like if I ever say anything about distance, like, Oh, you're just mad that you don't like hit it far. And I'm like, well, like I'm definitely mad that I don't hit it far, but it's like not as hard to hit it far. Everything's like exponentially, you get such, everything gets, the harder you hit it, you know, once you get to a certain uh, like club head speed and ball speed, the, it it just goes so much further every like one mile an hour harder you hit it. You know what I mean? So I could go out there and I just like can't swing it any harder than I do right now, you know, not much harder and I can never get it. You know, I, I just don't have the physical, you know, gifts to do that. So it, it just, it's just sucks sometimes thinking like, I mean, like 20 years ago, that wasn't the case, you, you know right. what I mean? And now it's kind of gotten to a point where you can't rein it back and, you know, it's just the way it is now, but it, I think there's definitely situations where there's like skills being lost in the game. You know, you don't like, like long iron play and, and iron play in general is kind of like a, more of a lost art in golf. You know, there's definitely still like really, really good iron players, but I mean like a lot of the good players right now, like they don't even hit irons in to a lot of holes anymore. You know, you're just hitting like nine irons and wedges all day, getting to every par five and two. And golf's a lot different when you can get to every par five and two than when you can't. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy. Like I, I know this is cherry picking, cherry picking stats and you can kind of make stats say whatever you want, but I was just digging through some of your numbers and stuff. And like, so like 2015, if you look at your, your season 2015, I was looking at approaches from 175 to 200, right. Where you're hitting those kind of like mid irons and, 
and whatever. And you had 275 attempts at that. And this year, Brooks has had 97. So granted, like he's played a lot yeah. less events. And I was even looking at like Sung J M, who is, you know, someone who hits it kind of medium, medium length and has played a ton of events more like comparable with, with what you did. But even still, he had, you know, it was like 50 less attempts or something like that. And it's just when you really extrapolate, you know, 50, 50 attempts that, you know, one guy has 120 and one guy has 160. It's like, dude, you know, how much does that add up over the course of a season? It's just it's wild. And it, that's what it is. And it's just fraction, you know, it's just fractions of shots, you know, all, all year. So those add up, you know, they might not add up one week, but when you look after 30 events or 27 events, like those five or six, seven shots are huge. You know, I mean, I should know I took 126 <laughs> that one year. If I was hitting pitching wedge into, you know, 30 more holes or 50 more holes that year, I can promise you, like, I would have picked up a half a shot right. somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> you know exactly. What I mean? what, so speaking of, you know, some of those stats, like, what, what's the deal with playing so many events? Are you going to keep that going next year, you think? Or what's the uh, what's your plan there? Well, next year, now I'm kind of in a situation again where you're in yeah, the you're kind of limited category. to what you can get, I guess. So you are limited, but at the same time, you kind of need to play enough to reshuffle yeah. you know what i mean so but it, it is it is a weird it's kind of a you got to walk a, a fine line there and i've learned that for sure that you know my my first couple of years out there i just felt like i just felt like i was giving so much away if i wasn't playing and i was going to lose so many spots and i just kept playing and kept playing and kept playing and you kind of wear yourself down to where you're not playing at the best of your ability you know you're just not physically and mentally able to you know you just can't do it you that you know you see the best players in the world you know the top 40 guys probably they're probably playing like an average of what like 19 to 20 right. events yeah exactly you know and and that there's a reason for that you know they're peaking and they're peaking at the right time and they know you know they know that they can play two or three events leading into a big event and kind of get their game where it needs to be and but they also have that self belief and they've they've proven it to themselves like hey i could go take a couple of weeks off and come back and win or i could come back and have some really good weeks instead of just beating yourself up for five, six, seven weeks in a row and just playing mediocre golf, you know? So that was definitely one thing that like Daniel Summerhays had told me, you know, maybe my first or second year on tour and I just couldn't do it. You know, I couldn't believe it. You know, he was like, dude, you need to, you need to take some breaks cause you can go out and rest and then come back and play good the next week. And I was just like, gosh, I just want to keep playing though and keep playing. And, and that's just how I, I play a lot of golf. So it's like, honestly, I play as much golf or I, at least I used to, I would play as much golf when I went back home on a week off as I would, you know, when I was out there. So, um, but it's more of the mental fatigue of things. You know, you start getting – everything just starts to piss you off a little easier and a little more when things aren't going your way, when you're kind of mentally right. tired. Uh, so we were talking a little bit about kind of some of the, the bombers and and diminishing iron iron play skill, I guess, is, is kind of what we said. I'm curious. The, the Corn Ferry Tour has a bit of a reputation for, for getting increasingly kind of bomb and gouge. Uh, I'm curious if that was your – impression seeing seeing it up close the last kind of year and a half 
or or what you know the different styles of play or, or kind of any trends like that that you've you've seen I think it's such a week to week basis just depending on weather and how courses are set up because you just you literally can't do that stuff if if it gets firm yeah. you know what I mean like I know there was there was you know several weeks in a row like Utah was super super firm you know the next week up in New York was pretty firm so it it honestly just depends i mean if you get on a soft course where where you can do that like i know springfield a little bit got a little softer and you can kind of just hit it wherever you want which it kind of sucks you know it it really does when you sit there and guys just swing as hard as they can and it's not their fault cuz they it's something that works you know they're they're doing something that um you, you're allowed to do, you know, you're going to hit it as hard as you can. You can get it up there past 310 and hit a wedge in, and it doesn't matter how soft the right. course is or how firm the course is. They're, they're able to do it. And that's just kind of everything from course setup to conditioning to how far the ball goes now and how well you're able to control shots out of the rough. So it's just a huge, um, like mixture of things, but you know, you definitely see it. And I think you see it a little less on the big tour because the courses are just taken care of that much better. You know what I mean? There's a little more like it seems like you play some more weeks that everything's a little firmer. The rough is just a little bit longer. You know, all of a sudden the pins get tucked a little more behind some bunkers and stuff like that. So, I mean, you see it on the web or on the Corn Ferry Tour, but. I mean, you see it everywhere now. It's just part of golf. Yeah, I mean, is that the biggest difference kind of between the two tours is you just see it to that to that degree a little bit less on the PGA Tour? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I think the, the courses on the big tour are also longer. You know what I mean? I think that's that, that might be the biggest difference. You know, you, you get courses where a guy isn't getting like 10 wedges in their hand every day, you know, now all of a sudden you're getting like five. And so you can't really bomb and gouge as much when you're hitting like eight irons in, you know what I mean? Uh, can we talk about the U S open a little bit? Yeah. (laughs) So talk to me, uh, about round one. I know, uh, we had, we had dinner the night before, seemed like everything was feeling good. And then, uh, maybe a little bit of, yeah, what did I, uh, I think it was, I I think it was 83. 83. God, so like I, I, uh, everything was good. I was playing pretty well. Um, I was definitely tired kind of running on fumes. Um, I had played, you know, several weeks in a row leading up to it. Plus the 36 hole qualifier the week before kind of had a nightmare, like travel situation made the cut on the number or something like that. And at the BMW while I was playing with you, and had just like crazy weather delays just sitting around all day you know couldn't get out on saturday or on sunday had to wait till monday morning and just you know a long travel back to the west coast but i you know i got some good practice rounds in was playing pretty well love the course you know it was set up so perfect um and just i mean like the ultimate getting behind the eight ball like after the first hole i 
hit a drive right down the middle on 10 had like 235 in <laughs> which is like you know for like hanging lie but it was just like okay hit the green you know hit the green make a par and let's you know let's let's get on the horse right here and just i thought i hit an okay shot pushed a hybrid like right side of the green didn't even think twice about it and it came up like 20 yards short kicked right down in the hazard and then um the guy i was playing with stepped on my ball <laughs> down in the bushes and and i had to i had to recreate the lie that no one saw and so the rules official was sitting there she i have no idea never had heard of it and i was like this doesn't seem right like no one saw it he just stepped on it you know like walking down to look for it and i had to put it like right in the middle of this bush like nowhere where i thought like this ball probably wasn't here and the lady was like yeah you gotta like now push the bush around it because no one could see it and i was like i don't think that's like (laughs) how it works and but at the same time i had like you know one of those shots that you just kind of like need to splash it up on the green out of the long rough and i just hit it a little too hard went over the green made a double, I think. I think I started out maybe a triple, actually. I don't even know. Who can say? And you know, who really knows <laughs> at this point? And uh, I mean, just like not the way you want to start <laughs> the U.S. Open because it's like the ultimate. Okay, now I just got to make four birds coming in. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's not the place, and especially the way. You know, it is out there, the thick rough all around the greens, small greens. The wind was blowing a little bit. It's not really a, a place or a tournament that you can go chase birdies and try and get them back. You know, it's kind of more of a let's hold on to this thing and make like five or six pars coming home. And uh, <clears throat> just, I mean, I had such a good mindset going in, I thought. I was like, I'm going to play so conservative and, like, do all the right things, and I'm not going to let anything dictate, like, you know, I'm not going to let a a bad hole, like, dictate how I play. And it was just, like, threw that straight out the window after the triple (laughs) and was, like, pushed one in the right rough on 11 and was like, we need to knock one tight here. And it's just like, you can't. You can't knock it tight from the right rough. Short-sided in the bunker, bogey. Next hole, pin was tucked back left all week i was like back left pins we need to go like 50 feet right of it and putt down trying to hit like four iron to like three feet (laughs) pull it left short sided i honestly i i got i had it to the point through like nine holes or ten holes where let's just say i had missed seven greens in regulation like six of those greens i didn't even get the chip on the green (laughs) I didn't even hit I didn't even hit like three or four greens in over regulation. <laughs> it was like it was the craziest I it was like I blacked out. I didn't even know what was going on. And then I like then I played awesome for you know the last nine holes, the set the the first day and like grinded my ass off to shoot eighty three or whatever yeah. I shot. You know, I felt really good about it. And then I came out the next day and did the exact same thing, just like the worst start ever. You know, I knew at that point, you know, you're not making the cut. You're not, you know, maybe one in a million, you're going to go out there and shoot like 61 or 62 (laughs) to make it, you know, but I just wanted to go play solid, um, you know, go just play good, hit good shots, do the right things. And just the same thing, just like firing at all these pins, 
and just got so behind the eight ball again, where I really had to just sit there and go like, dude, what are you doing? Just play the right golf for like the last 10 holes. I had a, you know, I had some stuff on the line with some friends walking around with me that, that were going to be really bad <laughs> if I didn't pull off, you know, a great finish. So I, I kind of had to strap in and make, make some birdies coming in. But, um, it, it was, it was, I mean, it's the U S open. It was awesome to be there. I'm not like ashamed at all how I played. Um, it was just one of those weeks where it was definitely a learning experience. You know, I, I, I would, I learned a lot more from missing that cut than I did from the 35th or whatever I took in my U S open that I played at Pinehurst. Right. You know what I mean? Cause you learn, you really learned that you just, you, you have to stick to your game plan and you can't let one hole. I mean, I let, I literally let one shot on the first hole of the golf tournament ruin my week yeah. when it really shouldn't, you know, I, even though I hit it in the bush and had to drop or had to place it and do all this weird stuff, like I could have easily just hacked out, taken a five, got out of there, you know, and had a very nice week. And instead I was trying to make a par and that's kind of when disasters happen is when you're trying to, you know, make a miracle happen. Yeah, out That's there. kind of the only reason I, I even bring it up is I remember talking to you after the round and just, you know, hearing, hearing the words, like I just compl- like completely blacked out. Like I, I don't even remember what happened is maybe the most relatable thing that there is to like the average golfer. Cause that happens to me three or four I times mean, that's per literally round. How it yeah. felt. That that's literally how it felt though, for real. I got done and I was like, What the fuck happened like the last like three and a half hours? I was like, Okay, I remember like my last six holes, but like what happened that first three and a half hours? Like w- was I even golfing? Like I could have been playing I might have played better left handed for 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 four what hours. What do you think you could shoot left handed? I've played left-handed a few times. I I got on a kick in it uh, like one winter when I was down in St. George at my dad's house during college where I would go out and play every day and I I could hit it pretty good. I would play from the, I would play from the red tees because I can't hit it. You know, you don't have the like power. It's just a lot different, but I could, I could shoot like four or five over for nine holes if I didn't hit it in bunkers. Okay. Bunkers, That's a diff- different because muscles. I was actually, I actually, it, it, it's just weird. But I was actually a pretty good putter, and I could, and I could hit it really good. Um, but if I got into like a short-sighted situation, like where you had to be like delicate with the wedges, I mean, it was just like game over. <laughs> you know, the day was ruined. It was like the first hole at the U.S. All right, a couple, a couple quick ones, uh, and then we will let you get out of here. But. Uh, First of all, so obviously, like I keep saying, you know, the the story and the two year kind of nightmare has an extremely happy ending. You have your PJ Tour card back. You're going back next year. We're all very excited. Uh, what events are you most looking forward to getting back to? I I mean, I hope I'm not playing, but Reno was one where like a couple <laughs> yeah. of weeks ago, I was like, gosh, damn it! Like, I love that place. It was so fun. It's just a fun event. So. So that was one and Hawaii is kind of an easy one. I've played well there. You know, I really like the course and, um, 
But I mean, there's definitely a few in the fall that Safeway I've had a couple of really nice weeks at, you know, was shout out to Johnny Miller co-leading or yeah, exactly. You know, BYU boy, um, out there in Napa. So it's very excited to get back there and, um, have played well in Mexico. So excited to get there. And then, you know, starting out the, the year at, at my boy, Seth Rayner's place at TPC old white, him and CB McDonald's. So would like to just go out and get a win there and just kind of, you know, hang out with the boys. For <laughs> there a few you go. Weeks. That, would, that would be a good, good plan. Well, there you go. I think it's all the Brooks mentality. Like just don't go out there and try and make the cut, you know, just go win. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's literally like, it sounds too, simple for it to work you're like yeah yeah go out there and try and win and then you know go out there and not make bogeys like okay <laughs> like sure but it really is kind of like you just got to do it <laughs> so we just posted a commissioner for a day trap draw podcast me and tron and, and randy i'm curious what your number one what, what's number one on your uh your campaign's agenda if you were commissioner for the day well, I mean, for sure, dredging out, you know, <laughs> all that at Sawgrass. I mean, that's a no-brainer. That's good. So you and Tron have a, a but, coalition uh, there, a, a voting <laughs> block. I think this is what I, I heard it on. I heard Jeff Ogilvy and Andy talking about it on on um, the Fried Egg podcast. Um, I think going to one tour for the web and the PGA tour. So it would just be the PGA tour and there would just be two tiers of events going on each week. And so your category or like people would be like, you know, Brooks would be number one on the priority list to get in an event and say, I would be, you know, 190th or whatever, you know what I mean? And you would just, you would just go to the tournament that week that you got into and they would have a, they would have um, FedEx Cup point values that were a little different depending on the tier of the event, whether it was a you know tier one or a tier two, and it would just make everything so much better. I think point being, it's it's kind of easier everyone. to move between tours a lot easier. You, you would think, right? Like, is that? Well, just what just everything. Yeah. If somebody if somebody was playing good in a situation, you know, if you had your card, if someone was playing good, they would move up to the tier one events. You know, right then, they, you know, you would just everything is based on where your priority ranking is. So, it, it, and if somebody's playing bad, you don't keep getting in events that you shouldn't be right. playing in at that time. I like it. Uh... Okay, so you are the guest in uh, our next Wild World of Golf, which I believe is going to be posted. I'm going to say this just so, to hold myself to it, but next Wednesday, I believe, whatever the whatever the date is on that. It's like the 14th or something. Um, don't give away any spoilers, but I'm curious if you can if you can uh, share what it's like to be in the Wild World of Golf cauldron. I mean, it's great. I mean, playing golf with some of my you know best friends. At, at a place like Sweetens Cove is, I mean, it's just fun. It was fun to have, it was also fun to have it the way we had it with a bunch of people watching, you know, it was right before the ringer and we, we had a bunch of people out there cheering us on. And, um, you know, it was definitely a, an interesting format <laughs> that I think you may see it replicated in pro more, golf lately. Maybe, we'll I mean, it would be crazy if you did, <laughs> but 
<laughs> no, it was great. It was fun. It was. Uh, ho- hopefully, I get the invite back for for another. Yeah, one we'll sometime. see. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll certainly put you on the list. Uh, Perfect. And uh, lastly, any updates on uh, TBC, the Buck Club? I mean, it's going it's going great. You know, it's uh, just got a lot of support, which is crazy. You know, so many people around everywhere I go, people talk about it and ask about it, but. Really, honestly, the the biggest updates, I guess, is still looking for some land. You know, we have a piece of property that we would like to do it at up in uh, up in Utah, but haven't bought it yet. Still, kind of in a little bit of a stalemate. They they want a little too much for the land, and you know, we just don't. You know, you can get land for better deals places and we you know we don't want to get too deep in the hole right at right out of the bat so just looking for some investors still and looking for for a nice piece of property to build a place on that we can go have some fun investors possibly you exactly (laughs) all right well i gotta say i'm a little bummed uh that we're not going to be able to uh defend our like t17 finish at the greenville bmw uh charity pro-am next year since you're going to be uh no longer qualified and, and on to bigger and better things, but you don't know that I could that's come true. down. You yeah. Know. I could come down for a week. That's true. Yeah. Finger. You know, maybe, maybe we could pull some strings and get you into the eighteen. Ah, <laughs> uh-huh, there you go. Yeah. I <laughs> like it. Now that, that would be cool. I'll make one. some calls to uh, Randall Stevenson and, and Clint Eastwood to, uh, to try to make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Well, congratulations again. It was awesome to watch on Sunday. Thanks for taking some time to go through, you know, kind of all of your deepest, darkest secrets of the last couple of years here. And uh, looking forward to watching you out in Portland this week and then beyond. You'll be full send in the uh, the Corn Fairy finals, right? Yeah, I think I'm going to definitely play one or two of them and, uh, you know, get a couple of weeks of rest because it's a little different now. I think, you know, most of the web, I mean, all of the web guys get in basically everything in the fall. So, you know, you just got to go have have some nice weeks in the fall and yeah, plenty of golf coming up. All right, man. Well, uh, take care and good luck this week. Okay, man. We'll talk to you later. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Johnny, yeah. that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. 